0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. Virginia Democratic Senator Tim Kaine takes over as head of the Senate Armed Services Readiness Subcommittee. He inherits some new areas of responsibility, including acquisition and military housing. Federal News Network Scott Monsione spoke about the subcommittee's priorities this year. We have some standard hearings that we have between now and when we do the NDAA markup in committee. Basically hearing from deputy service chiefs um, and others on the readiness metrics issues um, and a little bit about uh, acquisition uh, successes and failures. So the first few months, it's the committee's work is very focused on uh, building the uh, putting the building blocks in place to to have a good defense authorizing act. And that's going to be very important because this will be the first Biden defense bill and we want to make sure we uh, we get it right. Um, longer term, when we're done with the NDA, there's a couple of hearings that I want to have uh, to look at big picture issues. One, I want to have a, a greatest hits and greatest duds on acquisition hearing where we look at three or four examples of acquisition, you know, acquisition successes, and then three or four examples of acquisition that, uh, that went wrong and try to extract the lessons from both the ones that succeeded and the ones that went wrong. So that as we focus on, you know, better acquisition in the future, including acquisition reforms, we'll have kind of a a, a, a deep dive into when we've done well and when we haven't. Um, I also want to do a, a hearing on the industrial base. Obviously, that's very important in Virginia because we have so many um, contractors, especially the shipyard um, at Newport News and re, uh, ship repairers in that area. But we've got military contractors all over the state. And most states do as well. So, I want to do a, uh, a hearing on, on that. Um, I'd like to do a hearing together with the Sea Power Subcommittee on the Shipyard Optimization Plan, the SIOP. Uh, there's a significant need to modernize our shipyards. I visited the shipyard in Pearl Harbor about a year ago with Senator Hirono, and um, I'm, I'm seeing needs around the country. The Navy has an aggressive modernization plan, but I want to do a hearing on that with C Power so that we can gauge how we're advancing against that plan. So those are some of the the basics. Um, but I'm very very excited to have the gavel, and you know I think the com- the subcommittee has always been a really close working relationship among the members, and I'm sure that's going to continue.
1: I wanted to go a little deeper on the acquisition. There's been so many reforms over the past, you know, before the Democrats took control, but. It's really a, a ton of reforms that DoD has had to catch up with. Yeah. Have you heard yep. a lot from Defense Department on how they're they're integrating these reforms? You know, how they're 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 catching up. If they've been able to really take advantage of many of them, besides OTAs and stuff like that.
0: I, I think you're you're going to see that as a, a subject of the hearings that we have between now and when the NDA do- is done. Because you're right, there have been a lot of reforms, and sometimes we, on the legislative side, you know, we'll put in new reforms before a the last round has been fully integrated, and b before we understand whether the last round of reforms had success or not. Um, if I if I could be self-critical about the committee, I think sometimes we we do things and then we don't come back and ask, hmm, what were the effects of it? I'll give you an example. A few years ago, we did a, an arbitrary. I oppose this, but we did an arbitrary cut of headquarters staff. A couple of years after that, we had huge crises and challenges in the military housing program. It turns out that one of the reasons for that is in, in doing the arbitrary cut of headquarters staff, the military housing uh, staffers were significantly reduced in number, which made it harder for them to exercise oversight over the private housing contractors. So. Sometimes we do things and then we don't go back and ask, okay, did it work out the way we thought? So I'm going to be probably pretty wary about advancing acquisition reforms right away. I'm more interested in seeing, A, let's look at the past reforms we work, we've we done and ask whether they work. And then, B, if we look at some examples just of great acquisitions and bad acquisitions, we can learn some lessons from that that can then guide us in the future if, if more reforms are necessary.
1: I wanted to ask about the military housing. You know, I was in the room with you in Fort Belvoir when you went and toured with Secretary yeah. McCarthy. I Secretary know it's something Edward. that's yeah, that's mm-hmm. important to you. There's families that are still dealing with this, you know, and it's been two years now that that it's, it's happened. Yep. And and there's also two fangs within the tenant bill of rights that still haven't been implemented by DoD that that really have a lot of teeth to this. Where does the accountability come in with these these companies? At what point do you Or can you stomp your foot on down and say this is enough or or are they doing what they need to do and it just takes time?
0: Well, it does take time. Um, You know, this this does not happen overnight. But as you as you know, two years ago, it was just completely unacceptable. Thank goodness for some great journalists. Reuters in particular was breaking a lot of these stories Um, as we were working on the NDAA. And then that really became the theme of the two years ago, military housing improvements. And we've seen improvements, but I'm not going to say we are where we need to be yet. Um, And, you know, I was particularly frustrated that some of the private housing companies, you know, who, who their military housing is a division of the company. They run housing in the commercial market and they would never tolerate in their commercial market, what they allowed to happen with their military housing, they kind of treated uh, troops and their families as sort of hostages they can 't go anywhere else, so we don 't really need to meet the same standards we might meet over on the civilian side so i was I was very unhappy with that attitude, but I got to say I put more of the blame of it on the military itself when it went into privatization. I could understand the reason it happened long before I got to the Senate, but I was not you know opposed to the notion of privatization the military's expertise is in housing. There are experts who do housing, but the whole thing depended upon the military really taking seriously uh, the oversight and management of the contracts. And as you saw over and over again, once they entered into the long-term deal, they didn't even take advantage of provisions within the contracts that they had um, that were available to the Pentagon to renegotiate, to reconsider, to withhold payment for unsatisfactory performance. They just sort of decided that, uh, okay, we entered into a contract, we're no longer responsible. To the contrary, they're definitely responsible. And uh, this is an example of something. I think you'll see the whole committee take this up between now and uh, when we get the NDA marked up in committee in in probably early June. We're going to ask, okay, over the course of the two years, you know, what has succeeded? What hasn't? We had a great sort of housing czar, General Perna, who got pulled then into the being the czar on Operation Warp Speed and vaccine deployment. He's a logistics expert. He had done very good work on the housing side. Uh, he's now working on this other issue, and we need to make sure that the folks who are in charge of housing now uh, are as uh, focused and successful as he was. Virginia Democrat Tim Kaine, chairman of the Senate Armed Services Readiness Subcommittee, speaking with Federal News Network Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.